This podcast is for your entertainment only and is not the place to find professional medical advice. Hey guys, I'm here with Paul Hansma. We met actually online through his YouTube videos. Um, he specializes in helping people with chronic pain. I won't do too much of an intro because I'd love for you to introduce yourself, Paul. Um, but yeah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jamie. I'm really happy to be here today. Yeah, so um, I am a chronic pain recoverer myself. You know, I had chronic shoulder pain for about uh, five years. It started with a gardening overuse and, and you know, I went to doctors and I got cortisone shots and I did, I did physical therapy for about the five years, you know, and it would seem like I was getting better, you know, and then there'd be some setback, you know, and I'd, oh my God, it's bad again, you know, and then it, and uh, so it kept seeming like I was making progress, but then all these setbacks, anyway, after five years, it was seeming like this, you know, this just isn't working, and, um, and so I started to go on YouTube, basically, and, uh, and, and, and the internet, and try to say, what, what about chronic pain, find out about chronic pain, and and what I found out just, you know, blew my mind. It, it, it was because chronic pain was not at all what I had imagined. And so, yeah, um, yeah, I, I guess you've had that same experience. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the big reasons why I wanted to have you come on the podcast, um, and we were talking about this before we hit record, is I, so you talk a lot about kind of vis- visualization and, and cracking the like using your brain to recover from chronic pain because it's actually caused by your brain. And it's stuff that I had kind of intuitively thought that that was kind of the reason why. And even with a lot of my other symptoms like fatigue and brain fog and all of that. But when I watched your YouTube videos, I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually science and it can be proven by science. And that was so exciting to me because I think, and you probably experienced this with your chronic pain is like, there's so much information out there and a lot of people don't necessarily want to take pain medications for the rest of their lives or um, don't know what treatments work for them but if we can harness the power of the brain to heal our bodies that's really exciting it really is and I was so excited about it that once I found out about it because what I found out was that you know, sure, there are sensors in your body that send signals up to your brain, but it's really your brain that creates the experience of pain, and it creates the experience of pain to protect you. So, you know, you touch a hot stove, and there are signals that go from your arm up your spine into your brain, and your brain sees these strong signals, and there's a system in your brain that's monitoring all the signals from your body. You know, right now, of course, from your body, you've got all kinds of signals going in there from your feet on the floor and, and your bottom on the chair and, and feeling your head. And there's just all these signals, thousands and thousands of signals going into your brain. And it's the job of your brain to alert you if there's any danger. And if it gets the strong signals, like from having your hand on a stove, it's, it's, there's danger. And how does it alert you? It creates the experience of pain. And so but that involves is activating neural circuits in the brain that create the experience of pain and then referencing it to the somatosensory cortex, which makes you feel the pain in your hand. So it's the whole, so the brain has this wonderful way of alerting you to where the danger is. Um, Now the problem with chronic pain is that if this continues for too long, if, if you have pain 
your brain creating pain for too long, it gets good at it, just like riding a bike or something. And and, and yeah. yeah, and it gets sensitized. It gets sensitized, and and it it's almost like the volume knob for pain gets turned up way way too high, and and so the brain thinks it's protecting you, but really it's doing you a big disservice because it's keeping you away from activities that you know are necessary for everyday life and so on and and so the 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 the, fr the frustrating thing and i think why chronic pain is such a huge problem is that you don't ever see the transition so you start off you know lifting a box that's too heavy and your lower back starts hurting a little bit and then it keeps hurting and and you know a year later your lower back is still a problem and it's natural to assume that it's an injury in your lower back i mean because that's it started with an injury and your lower back hurt and a year later your lower back still hurts so it's logical to assume there's some problem with your lower back or in my case some problem with my shoulder and the and the problem is that that's not what happens there's this subtle transformation from being a body problem that even after the body heals, the brain has not healed. The brain, in a sense, is injured. The brain is not functioning properly. It's not doing its job because its job is to alert you to danger, not to be giving you false alarms all the time and interrupting your life. So your brain has become injured. It's dysfunctional. And the brain has to be healed. And fortunately, it can be healed by the kind of uh, things that you've been working with, too, learning, activity, um, biofeedback and visualization meditation. Um, yeah, that's so interesting what you say, um, because obviously you're a scientist, right? So you're bringing science into stuff that I thought was true, but like nothing, it wasn't confirmed. And basically what you're saying is, is when you get an acute injury, the way it turns into chronic it, chronic pain is that your brain actually gets used to being in pain to the point where it's almost like you, you can't snap out of it. Is that what I'm hearing in a, in a very yes. simplified way? Yes. Perfectly put. You can't snap out of it. So there's these neural circuits that are running in your brain, generating the experience of pain and the brain just won't stop. It just keeps yeah. doing that. It's almost like, a you know, if you have a a song running in your head that you don't like. I mean, sometimes, of course, we like songs, but once in a while, I don't know if you've ever have, have you ever had the experience of having, I think some people call them earworms, a song that runs through your head that you really don't want? Yes. Well, definitely. that's what chronic pain is like. There's this circuit running in your brain. You don't want it to be running, but it's running all the same and it's hard to get rid of it, you know? And so, um, that's what chronic pain is like. It's something running in your brain generating an experience that's not helpful and um, and it and it you know can kind of ruin your life by making you less active because you know people have a tendency that things hurt so then they become less active and as they become less active there's less distraction so their brain doesn't have you know anything else to do it just gets better and better at generating the experience of pain until you can end up you know in bed in pain all the time it, it, but fortunately there's a way out yeah and here i guess my follow-up question to that is we obviously don't know when that switch happens from acute to chronic but are there factors that make people potentially more susceptible to pain becoming chronic or 
do we know much about like the that sort of thing? Does that make sense? There's definitely factors in it. Um, and not everybody gets chronic pain and, and, and chronic symptoms. You know, it's only about 30% of the population, you and yeah. me and a lot of other people, but not everybody. Um, and the various factors, there's a lot of them that can be involved, but some of the factors that can be involved, for example, are like um, misinformation. This one is probably the biggest one. So, and this is in particular in the case of back problems. So someone has a back yeah. problem. They go to the doctor, they get an x-ray or, or, or a CAT scan or something. And he says, well, look, you know, you have a bulging disc, you know, at L7 or something. And you say, oh my, oh my goodness, well, that's why I have back pain because I have this bulging disc. Well, when you start looking at the literature, what you find out is that for people my age, I'm 74, for someone my age, 90% of people have disc abnormalities, a bulging discs, yeah. everything, without pain, without pain. So basically, you know, especially as you age, pretty much everyone has disc abnormalities. And, and so, but if you get in your mind, oh, my back is broken, my back has this problem, so of course, you know, I can't recover, then your brain, you know, you're giving your brain the message that it's appropriate to create this danger signal because you are in danger. So that's probably the biggest thing that stabilizes chronic pain, misinformation. Another one that's yeah. a big one is anger. Yeah, wow. If you get rear-ended by a car, I, I worked with one lady, she, she had been rear-ended five years ago and had whiplash. Well, she was very angry at the driver who had rear-ended her and, you know, blamed him for her five years of agony. And that anger can really stabilize chronic pain because pain and emotion are really closely coupled together. And, and, and anger can make chronic pain so much worse and, and stabilize it. So those are say two of the factors that can stabilize chronic pain, um, emotion and bad information. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on potentially trauma being linked to having pain as well. Um, Cause I, I've, I've spoken with, I mean, there's a lot of people in the chronic illness community that experience trauma, whether it be like accidents or even childhood trauma. Absolutely. And yeah. And I honestly, I think that's personally the root of my own health issues is I got in a car accident, which, which kind of catalyzed a downward spiral towards chronic pain and chronic fatigue. But what's been the most healing thing for me is dealing with trauma in my past. Wonderful. Absolutely. I'm really glad you mentioned that because that is a big factor for many people. And um, there's, there's one chronic pain expert, you know, you're in Australia, two of the world's leading chronic ex pain experts are there, Lorimer Mosley and David Butler, and you can find their videos on YouTube. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Uh, if you look at the chronic pain science YouTube channel, it has playlists of their videos, chronic pain science channel on YouTube. Uh, anyway, those Australian are major research. Well, Howard Schubiner is one in the United States, and his specialty is chronic pain caused by trauma. Yeah, wow. And he has a workbook, Unlearn Your Chronic Pain. And when I've run workshops for people recovering from chronic pain, I've used that as a textbook. 
It, it goes right, it goes through trauma in a way to heal you because you're absolutely right. People who've had childhood trauma are more likely to have chronic pain. And why is that? Well, it's easy to understand. You know, pain is your brain telling you there's danger. Yeah. If you've had trauma, you're extra sensitive to the possibility of danger. You know, you know, you've experienced real danger, real threat. And so your brain is like looking for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like I feel that my body is actually kind of stuck in fight or flight. Like I just often can't get out of like this cycle of even mental health wise, physical health wise. And um, your methods when, and we'll get into this. I just have to, I just want to share with everyone, like the methods that you use, it's stuff like telling your body that it's safe and meditation and move healthy movement. And I've had uh, wrist issues for over a year now and I wear wrist braces when I type and work and all of that. And I recently posted about it on Instagram and literally like two days after I read your, watched your lecture on YouTube and started implementing the methods, like putting my other hand around my wrist and saying, I'm sore, but safe, calming myself. I haven't worn my wrist braces since in, since your lectures, like since the day after your lecture. And I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. It's been like, and I think for me, that was so empowering because it's like, and this is what you talk about as well as, is having knowledge having an understanding of the pain so that then you can use that knowledge to um, heal, almost heal yourself. And it, I think as well, like people think this sort of way to look at things is very new age, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know if you've received any sort of backlash in the scientific community around this, but like it's alternate, this seems alternative or this seems like, you know, like why would you use meditation and like, to be honest, like seeing like a white guy that's like, you know, in his seventies talk about this sort of thing was so awesome for me. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you've raised so many good points that two of them I wanna get back. I wanna get back to fight or flight and soon, but before that about this business, about new age, you know, um, I've done a lot of research on this and, um, some of it is on the, my Hansma Lab website. You can find links to a lot of original research articles. But the research supporting the kind of approaches we're talking about is very, very sound. I mean, and it's, and it's uh, what's ironic is, for example, the research supporting the kinds of things we're talking about is so much stronger than the research supporting back surgery. Research supporting back yeah. surgery is actually almost non-existent. The only placebo control test of back surgery that's ever been done reported in the New England Journal of Medicine that I saw, uh, basically the placebo surgery worked as well as the other surgery. Why did the placebo surgery work? Because if you think your back has been fixed, then you're not in danger anymore. Yeah. But, but the problem is it can injure the back, these surgeries. And, and so, but this stuff, you know, it seems new age. It seems new age because it's not taught in medical school anymore. And, and, and the reason is, it's really kind of ironic, but uh, the history of this, back in the, before the turn of the century, there were chronic pain recovery sites all over the place, including at UCLA and so on, that used these methods very successfully. And then time release um, opioids came out. 
Yeah. And now we don't have to do all this stuff. Why do all this work of, you know, retraining your brain and learning and stuff? Let's just take long uh, time release opiates because they're, they're, we're not expecting them to be very addictive because of the slow onset. Well, so people just started prescribing opioids for chronic pain, and we know where that's gone. It turned, I mean, it was a horrible problem, and, and uh, opioids made the problem much, much worse. And, and in the meantime, kind of, it's, it's, so it's just really ironic that these approaches kind of seem new age, but in fact, the research foundation for them is extremely strong. And, yeah. and, and in fact, they were practiced until people said, oh, let's just give people opioids. And now, of course, that we know that giving people opioids is, you know, not a good idea for managing chronic pain, you know, all this stuff is being rediscovered. That must be so frustrating as a scientist to, to know that there's that foundation of research and then that the mainstream is not talking about it. it it's, it's very, um, I wouldn't say so much frustrating as kind of um, an opportunity. Yeah. That's it. Because I love that. It's a good way to put it. <laughs> it's an opportunity to let people know that no, this isn't some new age airy fairy kind of stuff. This is sound research-based stuff. That there's all kinds of experimental studies about the validity of you know learning to overcome chronic pain, of gentle activity to overcome chronic pain, all kinds of research studies. The research basis is very firm. Yeah, that's so good to hear. And I think I guess my my frustrate I'm frustrated that it's not in the mainstream as a patient because I've had chronic pain for five years. If I had learned your methods five years ago, my life, I mean, I'm not into regrets or anything, but like this stuff needs to be talked about. I want to talk about this. I want people to know that it's possible to retrain your brain and have these tools to actually whether it be recovered from chronic pain or vastly improve your chronic pain symptoms, regardless of whatever condition you have, et cetera. Yeah, that's why your work is so important, Jenny, and I'm so happy to be talking with you today because there's a lot of really accurate, useful information that needs to get out there. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you. And so I guess switching gears, so we talked about the reason behind chronic pain, how so switching gears from that to okay so what's the answer we know it's in the brain we know that the brain causes chronic pain how do we how do you switch your brain out of that space okay um four ways learning activity biofeedback visualization and meditation um We've been talking a little bit about learning. Just what you and I have been doing is very, very helpful for people to recover from chronic pain. Um, just understanding that just because your back hurts does not mean you have a physical problem with your back. Just because your wrist hurts does not mean you have a physical problem with your wrist. So that kind of learning, and, and it's very helpful for the chronic pain recovery workshops that I've led, um, basically, People have learning assignments uh, from from the um, Chronic Pain Science website on um, YouTube channel. Or, but if you just look on YouTube, you know, under Chronic Pain, I mean, there's a lot of good YouTube videos from respected sources, from Stanford, from the Mayo Clinic. You know, it's this information is there, and learning and and understanding it, and understanding that it's not just airy fairy. It's mainstream science, and it's 
that's a that's a major approach. It, it's really important and because it 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 lets your brain know it maybe I don't have to create this experience of pain to keep my creature safe. You know, maybe um, you know, I mean, so that's one thing. Another thing wow. is activity. Go ahead. I was just gonna interject with that um, learning. Just on that one, I think going back to like the saying, knowledge is power. Because when I think when I when I started watching your videos and lectures, that's what I felt. I felt empowered. I felt like, yes. oh, my gosh, I have I have the power to change my mind so that I can recover from this. And that's I think what's so important about this aspect is like for people listening, knowing that they have the power to change. You, you really hit the nail on the head. Yeah, and piggybacking off of that, I, I don't know if you know what an exercise physiologist is. It's, it's a, basically a cross between a physiotherapist and a personal trainer. <clears throat> and I don't think they exist in America, as far as I know. It's a really big thing here in Australia. So I see an exercise physiologist specifically, and I started seeing her about a month ago to help me with my chronic pain. And she was the one that gave me um, some information about it. And which got me on this journey of discovering chronic pain, which led me to your YouTube video. And it's that's exactly because I've been stuck in this pattern, right, for five years of chronic pain. And I obviously want to get out of it with had no idea how. And it also, I think, sometimes takes someone external to snap you out of like a head, certain headspace, if that makes sense. Like she believes that I can recover. So now I believe that I can recover and she's giving me the tools and the resources to do that. And so I'm actually telling people, guys, I'm going to be recovered from chronic pain in six months. And even just saying that, I know that my, that actually has an effect on my brain and how my brain is seeing the pain. Yes. Wonderful. I I expect you're absolutely right. May my experience, given your attitude and your determination, I'm, I'm very confident that you'll be free yeah. of chronic pain in six months, maybe less. Let's hope. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and um, as you start seeing progress, you know, it'll strengthen your resolve, like you saw progress with your wrist. That kind of thing really will help. And so, and talking about the exercise gets us to the next point. The two yeah. experts in, in Australia, Lorimer Mosley and David Butler, are actually from a physical therapy background. But they know physical therapy for chronic pain at a level that unfortunately mine didn't. The, the thing they teach, which is just so important, when I was doing the physical therapy and I had these various exercises, they told me, you know, well, just go to the point of pain, you know, don't go into where it's really hurting, just go to the point of pain. But somehow I was thinking, well, I'll go a little beyond, you know, I mean, if, if, if you're going just to the point, I'll go a little bit into it, you know, because that'll be better. You know, I'll do more, I'll be doing more and I'll recover quicker. But it turns out that's, you know, completely wrong. <laughs> and <laughs> as, as Lorimer Mosley and, and David Butler teach, they, they have these wonderful graphs. I don't know how well I can reproduce it, but they basically say, if you do gentle activity, and that's why like Qigong and Tai Chi are so good because they're kind of gentle activity. You do gentle activity such that when you're done doing it, you're not in more pain than you were before you started. You know, you, the, the key is even if you have some sensations while you're doing it, 
when you're done, you should have less pain or, or at least no more pain than when you started. Because then your brain gets the message, oh, okay, I guess it is safe to move. On the other hand, if you push into where you create significant pain, then the brain gets more cautious and it'll lower the threshold for where it creates pain because it'll say, look, yeah. you know. And so for exercise, it's just so important to, you know, be gentle with the exercise and just do exercises that increase your confidence that you can move without pain and not do any exercises, you know, that decrease your confidence that you can move without pain. That's one of the real keys. So almost any form of exercise will work. Um, the reason I tend to advocate Qigong and Tai Chi is that they have the best research records. And I think in part, it's because they're very gentle. They're aimed at being yeah. gentle. Um, so yeah, so then that's activity. Yeah, and that's, again, confirms kind of what I thought because I was actually working with my exercise physiologist last week and she had me do a stretch, a new stretch that kind of where I was laying on a foam roller and it was causing pain in my shoulders. And she looked at me and she said, Jamie, that movement actually is not a movement that shouldn't be causing pain for your body. Like your body is built to do that movement. And so what that tells me is that I'm feeling pain in quotation marks. Um, but that it's likely that it's just that my body's feeling unsafe in that position and that's not actually in danger. So even having that external person come in to say, hey, this movement is actually okay. So let's do the work to tell your body that it's okay as opposed to limiting your movements because then that's gonna cause more issues. Good, wonderful. Yeah, so and, um, and go ahead. Well, I was gonna move on to biofeedback, but if you have something else on activity, okay. Because earlier you said that you were concerned about, I don't know if you used the word fight or flight or sympathetic nervous system activation, they're the same thing, that you were in that too much of the time. And this is true for so many people with chronic problems of all sorts. Yeah. Um, they get into, I got into, you got into, our friends get into sympathetic nervous system activation. And, and what, what is this? Well, it evolved, you know, from our ancestors who were, you know, threatened by lions and so on. And so if you get threatened by a lion, what do you want to do? Your body wants to prepare you for fight or flight. And so what it does is it puts the blood into your muscles. Well, where does it get the blood? It can't make more blood that quickly. But what it does is it has to take the blood from non-muscle tissues, such as your hands and some of your internal organs. Now, the problem is if you stay in fight or flight for too long, those internal organs, they get deprived of blood supply. It's not good for your body and the cortisol is not good for your body. It's not good for your body to be in fight or flight for extended periods of time. Um, and it doesn't help for almost modern problems. You know, it, if, if there's a lion, you know, that's coming, then of course, you know, having blood in your muscles so you can fight or flee is wonderful. But if your problem is that someone's cut you off in traffic or you have a deadline for a term paper or, you know, your income taxes due, having more blood in your muscles is not really helpful. You know, yeah. that, that, that natural sympathetic nervous system activation is not helpful. 
And if and a lot of people in chronic pain, what happens is they get in that state because they're, they're you know, there's something wrong, there's something wrong, there's something wrong, you know. Uh, and so they get, but fortunately, you can learn to get out of it um, fairly easily. You you talked about just talking to yourself, you know. Yeah. Um, um, sore but safe is a way to get out of it. Just uh, telling yourself, I'm safe right now. I'm safe. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not really in danger right now. I mean, you know, you're sitting in your room. I'm sitting here. And for the people, you know, listening to the podcast, I mean, just think about it. You know, you might be in pain, but, you know, you're basically safe. I mean, no one's going to, you know what I mean? It's like, we're safe. We're, we're safe. Yeah. And we don't really need more blood in our muscles or anything like that. So how do you get out of this sympathetic? Well, one help. Another way is biofeedback, because when you're in fight or flight, your hands get cold. Your yeah. hands get cold because the blood's been withdrawn from your hands into your muscles. Now, the wonderful thing, I mean, this is like a, a gift from the, from the higher power, is that if you learn to warm your hands, you get out of fight or flight. And yeah. it's not that hard to learn to warm your hands. And so um, you can... You can get a thermometer. Um, this is an easy one you can get on the internet um, for, I don't know, 20, 30 bucks. It's called a stress thermometer. And, you know, I can put it between my fingertips and the temperature will go, will go up. Uh, wait a minute, I have it set to room temperature, but if I put it between my fingertips, the, the temperature is going to go up as I warm my hands. And so you can just have a little thermometer like this and you can just put the you know, sensor there on your hands and you can set it there. And then you can try to warm your hands. And your brain can learn to do it pretty quickly if you have the feedback of seeing how warm your hands are. You know, you can, you can do things like, my hands and arms are heavy and warm. My heartbeat is calm and regular. My breathing is automatic. I'm safe. Or, you know, you can try yeah. all different methods and just see what happens, you know, just watch. Yeah. And pretty soon, I recommend to the people in that group that you saw the pictures of, they, they did this for 10 minutes twice a day, warming their hands. And pretty soon, you can learn to do it. You can get to where you can recognize when you're in sympathetic nervous system activation and actually get out of it even without a thermometer, you know at a certain point you get to where you can actually kind of sense the temperature of your hands and the blood beating when you get out of sympathetic nervous system activation if you're very sensitive you can actually start to feel the pulse in your fingers yeah wow and so um, once you're able to do that talk about empowering yourself for the future think about being able to get out of you know fight or flight think about at yeah. will being able to change your state into parasympathetic nervous system activation, get out of fight or flight and, and, and you can do it. And, and all of you listening to this podcast, you can do it. It's not that hard. Most people can learn to do it, you know, in maybe five, 10 minute sessions. And then you keep practicing that. So anyway, that's another way to get out of chronic pain by, by um, getting out of sympathetic nervous system activation. Yeah, I love that. And I, it's, it's interesting because I, so I work with a therapist to, with the trauma and we do inner child work, which is 
probably, I don't know if you've heard of that, very similar to what you're talking about. I put my one hand on my chest, one hand on my tummy, and I say, you're safe, everything's okay. And it's this idea of getting out of, and getting out of this headspace of um, like feeling unsafe, which trauma can cause. And I think as well, I don't know if this is something that's worked for me is, is affirmations of like, okay, I am valuable. I am loved. I am worthy. And it's, you, it's like, you're telling yourself and your body that it's good enough and that, and almost, yeah, retraining your brain essentially. And yeah, so all of that is really, I think it's interesting because it, it almost brings the link between what you're saying, what I'm doing in therapy. And I've always felt that my chronic pain and my emotions and my trauma were linked, but I didn't, couldn't explain it scientifically, if that makes sense. Like when people are like, oh, why do you have chronic pain? It's like, um, I actually know why. I don't always say why, because people don't always want to like hear about your childhood trauma, but <laughs> um, now it's like, yeah, I actually know why. And that's also empowering is to know the why behind it and know that through therapy, through different methods, I can heal and recover. And it does take time or sometimes not as much time as you expect, but it's, yeah, it's very empowering. It is. It's very empowering. And as you say, it usually takes time. Sometimes it can be amazingly quick. I, I worked with one guy. It was amazing. He, he, he had pain in his arm and shoulders, and especially he would get pain um, when he was around his boss or had a stressful deadline at work. And um, he started working with this uh, Howard Schubiner book, Unlearn Your Pain. And, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, when he, I was seeing him weekly, he came in my office and he said, my, my pain is gone. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, I was reading that book and all of a sudden I remembered when I was a kid, my brother did something and my mother punished him very severely. And I saw it happen and I thought, oh, this is awful, you know, I never want that to happen to me, you know, I, and he became hypervigilant, you know, to be sure that he would never do something so that his mother would punish him like he saw his brother punished, you know, and, and uh, he realized that he had just carried that on through life, you know, being hypervigilant wow. about, you know, someone in authority, you know, coming down on him, and, and after he had that realization, he said, the pain in my arm went away, you know, it's like this is pain he'd had for 40 yeah. years, something like that. And so sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it can be sudden. So yeah, so um, emotions and pain, they're, they're like this. They're same areas of the brain responsible for them. They're coupled so closely. Um, and, and as I mentioned earlier, especially anger, rage, can really it, it's a that's a very 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 common source of chronic pain that coupling between that and I mean you know right from your own experience right how that pain and emotion are coupled right you you know you you hit your finger with a hammer right? it's not like yeah. oh my I hit my finger with a hammer it's like you get that emotion right away you can just yeah. see right from the beginning pain and emotion are just like this and so working on your emotional life can help your pain. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. And so visualization, is that the last one? Yeah, so the last one's visualization. And so 
Um, visualization and meditation. So um, visualization has a pretty good track record. Um, and, and there's different sorts of visualization. One kind of visualization that some people have used that comes from a um, neuroplastics website. And uh, basically you visualize, it's, it's in my in my YouTube talk, there's the slides from this one, it did, but you can see the pain as being spots of activity in the brain that are lit up like little glowing lights. And, um, and so the, uh, the, um, and then you visualize those spots getting smaller. Yeah. You, you visualize them yeah. getting dimmer. And, and, and so people who do this, they just, every time they think they have pain, every time they have pain, they visualize that in their brain, the spots of light getting smaller. They just visualize that activity in their brain that's causing the pain decreasing and just visualize it. And then, you know, try to make it go down in their visualization and then start again, see it big in their brain and just keep imagining it go down. That's a useful kind of visualization that one friend of mine um, got over her chronic sciatica um, within a week doing that kind of thing. Wow. Um, yeah, it was good. Another kind of visualization is, um, um, is to see yourself in a pleasant, happy environment, you know, like on a beach in a chair, you know, and um, um, yeah, like somewhere safe and calm and that sort of thing. Right, exactly. Somewhere yeah. safe and calm, right? Somewhere safe and calm. Another one that you um, mentioned was visualizing yourself doing a movement that you wouldn't normally be able to do. Yes, that's a big one from and that's a big one from, uh, again, from the Australian group, especially for someone who's in really bad pain there in bed. You know, I, one example is um, you're in bed in pain and you want to get a glass of water. So this is for people who are worse off than, 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 than you and I were, Jamie, but there are people who are just in bed and they, they don't feel safe getting up to go to get yeah. a glass of water. But so what he teaches is, to visualize all the steps, you know, imagine yourself sitting up in bed, imagining yourself rotating your body so your feet are over the side, imagining yeah. transferring your weight to your feet, imagine standing up, imagine putting one foot in front of the other, bracing yourself on this door frame, and, and just work your way through the whole thing in your imagination over and over until you're ready to do it in real life. So that's another example of visualization. You visualize doing it without pain as well, right? Um, I don't know. I think maybe that might be too much to ask for. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've never done that myself. So, you know, I can't, I'm not really an expert here, but I would think, you know, maybe you just have to accept that it would be nice if you could do it without pain. Let's, let's hope for that. Yeah. Well, that's because actually what I've been doing, because I, I do the movements, but it causes pain. So I'm, I visualize myself doing the movement without pain. And that, and does that work for you? Um, 
I am still working on it. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, good. I look forward to hearing. And, and, and last and probably least is meditation. Um, it, I, I, I was meditating for an hour a day all the five years of my chronic pain. Um, yeah. it, and, but some people swear by it. Um, the, the research is kind of mixed. The, the research is strong for, for meditation reducing the unpleasantness of pain. Um, so yeah. there's two parts of pain. There's the sensation and there's the unpleasantness. And, and meditation has been most helpful for doing the unpleasantness of pain to kind of let someone say, well, yeah, okay, so there's, there's pain, but fine, whatever. I mean, I, I end up doing kind of a, you know, I'm 74 years old. And so I kind of have a, a form of that myself, right? I get up in the morning and there's sensations in my body. You know, I mean, I can feel my back. I can feel my arm, you know, I mean, it's like there's some definite sensations, but I try to think about it like that, that there are sensations that are going to yeah. go away, you know, rather than say, oh no, you know, on my back, oh my goodness, is, you know, is this, the, is this the start of a new bout of chronic pain or oh my goodness. But if you can kind of um, view them as not really dangerous, you know, sorbet safe, or again, I, I, I kind of like to joke that, you know, as you get older, you tend to lead, lead a sensational life. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and, and, um, but yeah, the trick is to, you know, not overreact to sensations from the body. Meditation can help with that. And, um, yeah. And, but, you know, for me, and this is just me, but for me, for example, there, there's a, there's a YouTube video about meditation that talks about just you know, meditate on the pain, you have the pain, just kind of go into it and just kind of study it and, you know, and really get into it, you know, whew, <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, that did not work for me at all. You know, in my mind, it's just not what I want to do. It's, it's strengthening the neural circuits that are generating the experience of pain by getting into it more and more intensely. So yeah, meditation it can be good for some people, but it's not a cure-all for chronic pain. It's not, you know, the other ones have much better research records in terms of helping people overcome chronic pain, but meditation can be helpful. Yeah, some. and so I guess my next question is like, have you had people experience improvements from conditions like arthritis and um, like fully conditions that are chronic pain, chronic inflammation? Yeah, absolutely. I, I went to a doctor 20 years ago with, you know, pain in my thumbs and my hands. And he told me I had osteoarthritis and that, uh, and that it was only going to get worse. And that, uh, you know, but the good news was it would get worse slowly. And he showed me the x-rays. He showed me the x-rays, how there was no cartilage in these joints, you know, and and so, of course, I had pain because I had the x-ray and I had the doctor telling me, you know, it was only going to get worse, but it would get worse slowly. Well, I don't have any pain to speak of now. Uh, yeah. I, 
I don't have any, I mean, right now, as I talk about it, I can feel a little sensation as I move my thumb, but I can still give my wife nice, nice um, massages and deep on her bottom of her feet with my thumbs and kind of stuff like that. I mean, I can still do everything I want with my hands without pain. And so, yeah, no, um, osteoarthritis can be the same kind of thing. I mean, there are signals from the body, but how your brain treats them can be night and day. Yeah. Whether it says, yes, it's sensation or whether it says, oh, no. And here's my other question. Have you seen, have you talked to people how that have experienced improvements in other types of conditions as well, like fatigue or brain fog in your sort of like experience working with different people? Absolutely. Yeah. And that picture that I showed you uh, of the group, one of the, one of the people sitting in the front row, yeah, her problem was digestive problems, um, yeah. digestive problems and fatigue. Um, and so, you know, kind of the bad news for chronic pain sufferers is that in some cases, if you don't resolve the underlying kind of thing, you know, so, I mean, it's good you're doing the therapy and for some people, you know, it's where there is trauma and stuff, it's good to, you know, work through it stuff because it, what can happen is you can overcome chronic pain like in your shoulder and next thing you know, you've got your knee hurts. Yeah. Or, you know, you overcome chronic pain and now you get, you're, you're stressed out of your mind. You know, you, you, you've got a, you're stressed all the time or overcome chronic pain and now you have stomach problems. And so, yes, the body, the same kind of mechanisms can create all sorts of chronic problems. Yeah. Unfortunately. And uh, it, it's all, it's all, see, what it is, is the brain has many, many inputs, thousands of inputs going into the brain, but it has very few outputs to tell you that there's a problem. It has pain, it has nausea, it has dizziness, it has blushing, uh, you know, and a few others. But basically, if the brain wants to tell you in all these thousands of inputs, uh, you know, I think there may be a problem. It has very few ways of expressing this. Um, and sometimes if, if what, if it learns that one way is not a good idea, you know, it can switch, it can switch to another. And so that's kind of the yeah. um, caveat here. That's so interesting that you say that. Cause it also brings together for me when I recovered from chronic fatigue, it was when I stopped repressing my emotions and started dealing with them. Mm-hmm. Yes. I had chronic pain, but I went through like a first round of therapy where I learned to like actually feel emotions and manage them and, and experience them and that they were actually a healthy part of being human. Yes. And people like, oh, like what, what's the thing that helped you recover from CFS? And I'm, I'm always just like, oh yeah, I spent two months crying on the floor of my bedroom. There you go. And then I recovered. <laughs> and, um. <laughs> Yeah. And then, and I think that's so interesting what you're saying. Cause it's like the, the, that emotion has to go somewhere. Your, 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 the inputs are coming in and your brain is trying to tell you that you feel things or that something's happening. And part of that output is emotion, right? Tears, that sort of thing. Um, but if you're not letting your the flow through, then that's going to go somewhere else. And I think that's what happened for me. Definitely with the chronic fatigue. I notice if I'm 
repressing emotions, if I'm not dealing with things, I get tired. I don't have the chronic fatigue, but I do get tired and have a hard time functioning. That's very wise, Jamie. You know, John Sarno, whose books were really helpful to me in overcoming chronic pain, um, what he says is, is when you feel pain, um, think emotionally, not physically. Don't think about, you know, what's wrong with this part of my body. Think, what's going on in my emotional life right now? How do I feel? What's going on? You know, think emotionally. Think, think, think. Think, especially if there's anything that's kind of difficult or challenging for you, you know, try to figure out what kind of what kind of thing going on in your head could be expressed. Could your body being expressing that there's a problem in this way? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> that's pretty much all of the steps that you kind of went over in your lecture, and that's honestly so much like amazingly valuable information. I cannot wait to share this podcast with the community. I think it's actually going to help a lot of people. I'm going to share it around to people I know. I mean, I've been telling people about your work since I watched your lectures, like all my friends. I'm like, guys, this guy, he knows what to do for chronic pain. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your experience and your knowledge with the community. Thank you, Jamie. It's really been a pleasure. You've, uh, you've have been so perceptive and you've asked so many good questions. And I think you've really, you've really helped me, uh, you know, get out the information that I think will be most helpful to your, your, your watchers. And so I really appreciate your skill in running this podcast. And, uh, and I really appreciate your altruism in helping others. Thanks for listening to the Sound of Hope podcast. If you want access to show notes, go to chronichope.org, where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. And make sure to follow us on our Instagram, at chronic underscore hope. See you next week.